Welcome to another episode of Shred's Takes. I'm your host, Mike Shredder, and uh, very thankful to have you guys all back again listening. Today, I'm gonna, today I'm going to talk about a bunch of sports issues and you know give my opinions on them and you know give you guys some entertainment on this Sunday. As we all know, tonight is the premiere of episodes three and four of the Jordan documentaries. I think everyone who Wassum last weekend is very excited for the next evolution of that those documentaries because the first two episodes definitely were really impactful for a lot of players who played in the NBA, follow the NBA, or are just inspired by what Jordan did in his career and what the Bulls were. It shed a lot of light on certain situations for sure. Um, some stuff that I looked at, for example, was just the Ignorance I had in terms of knowing the relationship between Jerry Krause and Michael Jordan, as I read from some sports articles in the past, I knew that Jerry Krause and Jordan didn't get along, but I didn't know the level of animosity between Jerry Krause, Jordan, and Pippen in the sense that it was Scottie Pippen cursing him out on the bus, Jordan you know, calling him overweight and saying he needed diet pills to lower the rim for him and asking him to warm up with the team. You know, that's stuff that, you know, you, you didn't really expect to see. I think between an, a general manager and a player, even for how bad sometimes tension gets between a player and a GM, which as we've seen from past sports incidences, it's definitely occurred and has shown that, you know, players and management aren't always going to get along. And a quote that I found interesting that Jordan sticks by uh, not agreeing with, which I actually, you know, somewhat agree with his point in saying, Jerry Krause's organizations win championships, not players. Jordan's statement is that organizations definitely play a role in that, but it's ultimately the team and the players that win the championship. I actually side a little bit more with Jordan in that aspect. I think the organization does play an impact in building the culture and building the team around a certain individual or a certain coach to make that team successful. But it's ultimately up to the players and the coach and the scheme they put together and the culture they build to go out and win the championship. The GM's not there on the court or running in place. He's only getting the players together to make sure – that those guys are being put in the best position to succeed on the on the basketball court because they want to make money, they want to make entertainment, they want to have people in the in the stands watching and conversing about how good the team is because they're fun to watch. As people probably didn't know, before Jordan went to the Bulls, they were kind of the laughing stock of the NBA, a team that was not making the playoffs. You know, at best was a mediocre team. You know, um, Rod Thorne, you know, drafted Jordan. And, you know, you could definitely see, obviously, why Jordan was so special back in his early period. But you definitely see how, despite the fact that Jerry Krause and Jordan had their disagreements, how Jerry Krause was indeed a very good executive. You know, he did put the pieces around Jordan to make him successful because early in Jordan's career, Jordan was really playing by himself. You know, he was averaging 30 points a game, getting all these scoring titles, but his team wasn't getting to the goal that they wanted to achieve. 
and getting players like Scotty Pippen, Horace Grant, Tony Kukoc, Ron Harper, Dennis Rodman later during the, the next three-peat shows exactly, I think, what Krauss' intention was. But the big thing I took away, too, from Krauss also was the fact that he said that Phil Jackson would have been out as head coach even if he went 82-0 and that season from 97 to 98, which I'm saying there as a, you know, a person that follows basketball and follows sports in general and didn't really understand what his intention was. If they were on their way out and they hadn't won a championship in a while, the team was looking on the downturn, that would be one thing that maybe I understand that. But they just won two straight championships when Jordan came back and they were going to win a third in this season. And he was already ready to break the team up. And, you know, if you're going to break a team up, at least give them the chance to prove that they could stay together before you decide, okay, let's break them up, right? Because you get your team's won two straight championships. I don't understand what the reasoning behind him saying, let's rebuild. Yes, maybe the players were older. I get that. But Jordan was still Jordan. Scottie Pippen still had four, I think, no, six years left in his NBA career. Dennis Rodman was still playing at a high level. So was Ron Harper, Kukoc, Steve Kerr, all those kind of guys. And that's one thing I just don't really get is the fact that he was so invested in turning that team down. That team could have won nine championships, which I look at that especially in saying, what, like, what was your intention? To rebuild a team that didn't need to be rebuilt. That's the that that's something I think that sports writers have talked about that in a sense of how he was really wrong there. And I agree because you know the GMs are trying to do things to make their themselves profitable in the short term and in the long term, right? But I think you look at that whole scenario, there was just a lot of things wrong with what occurred in terms of just the way he was processing that 97-98 season. And, um, you know, another thing I'm going to briefly talk about is there are a lot of people who talked about the Scottie Pippen contract and how it was all Jerry Krause's and, you know, Jerry Krause's fault and, um, you know, that that, that shouldn't have occurred um, during that period of time. and. You know, why did that occur? Um, like, why was he only paid, you know, $18 million over seven years? You know, and Jerry Reinsdorf, I think, actually is a guy who, if he wanted to get it done, he could have. I think Jerry Reinsdorf is a huge issue for a lot of the, these problems because he allowed Jerry Krause to do what he did. And Jerry Reinsdorf also wasn't willing to change a deal. Now, in one sense, people could say, well, you know, Scottie Pippen should have been paid more, should have adjusted the deal. And I get that that, that stance. And I think Scottie Pippen should have definitely been paid more up front. Scottie Pippen took the deal to provide for his family, and he was having back issues, issues occurring. So he wanted to make sure that he got his career in, in place so that if anything bad happened to him, he at least had money. Now, I mean, he's doing really well now, obviously, but in that stance, you know, he was arguably the best second option on a team, probably ever. 
And I think up front they should have paid him more. But the thing is, at that time, if Reinsdorf is not going to change who he is, which I think was wrong, he should have just finagled a different contract. Scottie Pippen's got to swallow his pride a little bit there because Jordan was also really frustrated too as well because you know Jordan was talking about you know the fact that they're going to trade the team, the team's done for and everything like that. Obviously, he's really frustrated too. But Scottie Pippen should have been a man in, in that situation and said, okay, Reinsdorf's not going to get my contract where he needs to be. I'm going to get the surgery still early. I'm going to play through the season, play as well as I can, not miss a boatload of months due to my foot injury. And then after that, I'm leaving. You know, I'm done with the Bulls, which he ended up leaving. But I'm saying if he played that season, there wouldn't have been this much commotion around it. And yes, his contract was awful. And I absolutely side with him the fact that he should have been paid better. But the fact is, Reinsdorf and Kraus weren't going to change that. So as as a as a you know a, a man, I guess he could have just said, you know, and especially because I think he's one of, one of the stronger willed players I've seen in a while. He could have you know taken that stance and said, you know, I'm not gonna. It's nothing's gonna really change in my favor, no matter how how hard I try, because Reinsdorf and Kraus are idiots. So I'm I, whatever. I'm gonna go pl- get my surgery done early. I'm gonna go play this season, play as well as I can, and then I'm gonna demand a trade after this year, even if we win a championship. That's what he should have done. Instead of causing all this commotion and tension within the season to start and having Jordan basically playing by himself and then, you know, the whole transition after that. I thought that was just something that needed to be better handled by Scottie Pippen, especially because Jordan needed him. Um, And Jordan even said there's no hit Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen. That's just one thing I looked at and said, you know, there should be a little bit of a better uh, handling of the situation from both sides. But Scottie Pippen could have acted better in that situation, right? I am really excited, though, to see what the bad boy Pistons role is going to be in episodes three and four. And when Scotty comes back, how Dennis Rod- like what Dennis Rodman did in terms of those vacations he went on and partying all the time and how they were getting him back and playing. Because obviously Dennis Rodman was a – Different kind of personality. He's a guy you loved having your team because he was one of the better defenders and rebounders of like that generation and whatever. So my sense is that they're going to probably explain how Jordan had to overcome these obstacles and use them to fuel how to overcome Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen causing certain issues within the team. You know, because the Pistons obviously were the one – blockade in front of that success the Bulls had. And until Scottie Pippen became that all-star level player, they really didn't get over the the Pistons, right? Because the Pistons had a bunch of all-star level players or Hall of Famers, and they were really physical and a great, co- greatly coached team by Chuck Daly. And I'm really interested, obviously, to seeing if the fact that that, that is how they're going to swing it, that obstacle leading to how he overcomes the obstacle during the 97-98 season – or they're going to spin it some other way. So I'm really excited to see what's going to go on tonight. And I think a lot of the other sports community is too, for sure, because I think it's just a great way to bring a t- tough time for Jordan into this whole kind of tension building up within the 97-98 season. On another note, uh, as people saw during the week, Gronkowski came out of retirement and now is going to join the Buccaneers and, you know, try to give it one last go with Brady, in a sense. 
And, you know, I'm actually really excited for that. I mean, I'm not a fan of either of those players, uh, just me being a Giants fan and all, but Gronkowski, when healthy, was a top two, top three tight end in football. Maybe the best tight end in football. Very re- very reliable in terms of clutch performances. His only thing that terms of his durability is just a question mark. And that's why he retired because he had so many injuries. But, you know, if he's feeling good, ready to go, that could be very scary for the NFL. Having, you know, Brady, Gronk, Mike Evans, a good offensive line, a pretty good coach. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it saying, you know, this team could be really good. Do I think they're going to be the best team in the NFC South? No, I don't. People are saying that. I do not think they're going to be. I do not think Brady at this point in the career is better than Drew Brees in his point of the career right now. Brady is going to be 43 years old, 42 years old. Yeah, he's going to be 43 this year, you know. So he's going to be very good this year, I think. I think he's going to have a better year than he did last year, but he's not better than Drew Brees. Drew Brees is better at this point in his career than Tom Brady is. People can debate that and say I'm wrong and whatever, but it's just if you look at the statistics – and yes, maybe with a better team, Brady proves everyone wrong, and that would be great to see. Brady is a better quarterback in his career, hands down. Brady's the best quarterback to ever play. And, you know, I think that adding Gronkowski for him is going to help him have way more success. The Bucs are going to be a very good team and a team to reckon with this year, but I do not believe they are better than the Packers, the Saints, the Seahawks, 49ers, at least those four teams, especially, they're definitely not better than those teams. Um, you know, so it's all going to come down to, in my opinion, how they're able to scheme Tom Brady's system within Tampa Bay and how Gronkowski's health is going to play. Because I think, again, if Gronkowski's healthy, that's a very, very high-powered, scary offense to see for defenses. It's just obvious, right? Because Gronkowski is just so talented at the tight end position. Mike Evans is really talented. Tom Brady is a great quarterback, obviously, even at 42 years old. So I think that's just an interesting way for you know the league to progress in a sense that you're having old faces come back and try to, you know, get that one last run in and try to win a championship. I think it's just crazy how it's gone in a sense. Um, obviously, the last couple of days there's been the NFL draft. You know, my Giants picked up a good offensive lineman, you know, and I'm excited about that because, you know, Daniel Jones needs some protection. Obviously, and Saquon, especially because our offensive line was pitiful last year. But I think the big stories, too, were, you know, the Green Bay Packers selecting a quarterback, which I think is a complete insult um, to Aaron Rodgers. But I do understand why they they got the guy from Utah State. And, you know, Stephen A. Smith's always going to go off about how Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback, greatest talent he's ever seen. And I think he's a little bit dumb in that sense, is that you have to understand why they got him. Aaron Rodgers is old, right? And uh, he's 36. So, you know, he doesn't have a lot. He, he, you know, he has probably, in my opinion, three to four more years of quality play left. You need to build someone under him that you feel 
like with his case with Brett Favre, can, can take over and lead the Packers to success. Aaron Rodgers is not 30 years old anymore. He's 36, going to be 37 this year. Do I believe that, you know, he has a chance to – sorry, do I believe that the coach's decision to train this guy will make the you know the player discouraged? Probably to start, but you have to have a guy under Aaron Rodgers who you believe is going to be the future. It just makes sense. Eli Manning, for example, you have Daniel Jones to start over. I'm like, yeah, that's the future, right? Everything has to be built for the future. And for them to say this is insulting and a disgrace to Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is 36. He's going to have a great year this year probably, and he's going to probably do good things this year because he's Aaron Rodgers. But he doesn't have like eight years left. He has three to four tops in my opinion. And based on the way who he is as a quarterback and you know the way he plays and how he's progressed over the last couple of years – you know, I think three to four years left is, is a good max for him. So you need a quarterback that's going to come in and step in and say, okay, here's what we're going to do for this guy to move forward. You know, it's the same thing like why, like, you know, you could have kept Andy Dalton, for example, in Cincinnati. But why would you want to keep a guy that's been part of it, even though he's been a pretty decent quarterback, a guy that's been part of a losing culture the last couple of years where you can just draft Joe Burrow and see what happens. Now, there's some people that say he's going to a disaster situation. He is. But I think Joe Burrow is a guy who's shown that he can get through adversity and win in big games and figure it out. And he's got a really good mind about him. Yeah, he's a bit cocky and saying, I never lose. I don't want to go to a place where I'm going to lose. But I think he's going to make sure he doesn't lose there. I like the way he approaches things. And look, if he doesn't, doesn't have a good career and he ends up being a bust, you know, that's it. But I think his talent in college showed that he can be a good NFL quarterback. And I think that he can, you know, have a good rookie year. Maybe not. I don't think he'll be over top exceptional his first year. Cause I think Cincinnati is just a tough place to, to find the right culture and, and, you know, win right away. But I think that it's going to be more positive than negative than I think some people are ought to believe like Mel Kuyper and some others, you know, and I, and I understand they're pointing point of view is that Cincinnati's been really bad the last couple years but you know Joe Burrow if he's as talented a quarterback as we think he is he can figure it out um you know the great quarterbacks have always been able to figure it out some sort of situation through adversity that's what makes a great quarterback a great quarterback and uh you know I think that's just something that we have to keep an eye on and see exactly what's going to transpire you know, from that situation. And, you know, I'm excited to see what Joe Burrow does, what he can, you know, contribute to. But, you know, I'm actually more excited to see where Tua, uh, you know, progresses to and how he does, um, you know, in the NFL uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Because, you know, that hip injury was so bad. But, you know, when he was healthy, arguably, you know, the Heisman favorite. And, um, you know, Joe Burrow did a better year toward the end because of injuries and whatever. But Tua's got a lot of talents and a lot of athleticism in his, you know, skill set that makes him a very intriguing and unique prospect for the Miami Dolphins. But you need to make sure that he's healthy, make sure his durability is there. 
because if he's that franchise quarterback, you want that guy to be there in order to give everyone a glimmer of hope that they, the Miami Dolphins can be successful, right? Miami Dolphins have not been very successful recently. Even their former quarterback went to Tennessee and had more success. So they're looking for someone to show promise. And if he's like an RG3 case where he has one good year and is played by injuries the rest of his career, see, like that's not going to fill a lot of people with hope. But I think I'm excited more so because I think that his work ethic and the fact that he came from Alabama and his tough-mindedness will allow him to overcome that set adversity. And I think he will be a good quarterback. I think it's going to take him more time than a guy like Joe Burrow because I think he still has some things in terms of his passing that's not quite as good as Joe. Like Joe's way more accurate with the football. Two is way more explosive an athlete. And I think two is still needs to develop a lot more as a, as a pocket passer than, you know, being just, you know, multidimensional, which is great to be multidimensional. Don't get me wrong. The large Jackson proved to the NFL how great that can be. But if he can be way more accurate, then I see more promise. And I think he can be. I think his work ethic's off the charts. But the two questions are his accuracy and his health. And if those things can be answered, then, you know, all the more for it. And obviously, I know that people in the DMV and, and you know, the Washington, D.C. area are feeling very, very happy about Chase Young. And uh, they have good reason to. You know, the Ohio State prospect is a DMV product and a phenomenal prospect in that. You know, he uh, definitely had an incredible year at Ohio State, did a lot of great things. And, you know, I think he has the potential to be a J.J. Watt type, you know, a guy that can really take the lead by storm defensively. I think his athleticism, his strength, his power, his skill as a defensive end are pretty remarkable for a guy his age. And, you know, I'm – I'm a Giants fan, so I'm not really looking too forward to seeing what how he progresses because he might be a huge problem for my football team going forward. But for Washington fans, you guys should be very excited about what you have and looking toward the future. Because I think Dwayne Haskins is a good quarterback and he showed some promise in his first year. You know, and um, now you have a guy who can maybe anchor your defense in a sense. You know, so the, the NFC East might be a little bit tougher than people think now because of uh, the additions that Washington gets. And, you know, Giants hope we have a better offensive line where Saquon and Daniel Jones can have a better, you know, better year together. You know, I, I, I'm excited for what's going to happen in the NFC East for sure and that kind of stuff. Um, and on the last note, uh, I think everyone's probably heard about Draymond Green, you know, going on, you know, Zoom. Um, one of those, you know, online, you know, FaceTime apps to discuss things that transpired from, you know, the, uh, you know, you know, uh, warrior situation and, you know, his takes on a lot of things, whatever, and that kind of stuff. And he basically said that, um, no. that he doesn't believe that Kevin Durant's reasoning for leaving was due to him primarily. Um, he didn't think he was the reason that Kevin Durant left, which I disagree. I think he was the reason that Kevin Durant left. I think, Kevin, And I think also, well, not the main reason, but he was a big reason. 
I think also Kevin Durant not wanting to be in Steph's shadow for his entire rest of his career was a big reason too. And he also talked about how there was a lot of uncertainty about Kevin Durant's situation. And if he wanted to leave, he should have been more upfront about it because the, the guys in the team are getting asked about in media each day about where's Kevin going? Is he happy with the team and that kind of stuff? And that was really disrupting the way they were playing. And in my mind, I'm also saying they're like, you know, Draymond, you know, you were responsible, A, and B, like, you're always the one talking. And, you know, you're, you are one of the better utility guys in the NBA. Don't get me wrong. But it's also saying, you know, you know, Kevin Durant wasn't too happy in that situation. You know, you should just, you know, suck it up and move on in a sense. And, um, you know, I think that his comments are probably are valid about certain things. You know, I don't think after the 2018, I think after the 2018 finals, you know, Kevin Durant definitely showed that he is at LeBron's level. I agree with him on that. You know, um, LeBron definitely was, I think is a, still a better player, but Kevin Durant showed that he could be at that level with LeBron and compete to be the best player. Like it wasn't like a huge gap. Like it was in the 2017 finals. Um, and I think that I understand Draymond's frustration in the sense that, you know, it was a thing that they had to go through each day and have to handle. However, I just think that he looks more like the bad guy saying that he wasn't the reason he left and making all these complaints. And that's the reason why I'm telling him to suck it up in a sense because I understand where he's coming from. Like, trust me, like I, I've had to deal with, you know, uncertainty without revolving around some, you know, things in my life, especially too. And, I think everyone has that too with you know p- people they care about and people they want to stay on teams or you know feel happy on like their high school or college teams etc or professional teams like it just it's it's just human nature right you want you know things like that to you know die down and you know he wish he'd be more upfront about it. I get that but I think you know Kevin Durant probably was not fully convinced on leaving and you know because I think he was like halfway in between because I don't think he wanted to be in Steph's shadow but he's thinking that maybe he could change that. And, you know, Draymond did, you know, mess up in the fact that, you know, he did, you know, say those things to Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant, you know, took them really harshly because, you know, that was a guy he went to war with. I get it. And, you know, I think also Draymond Green and the Charles Barkley feud is very funny because I think that Charles Barkley says a lot of interesting things. I'll say that. And, you know. Some are very valid. Some are just not. And I mean, like every kind of sports media guy and Draymond Green saying that basically like he's done more than Charles Barkley has. And that kind of stuff is just interesting, too. And, uh, you know, it's it's just it's it's funny because I think that, you know, um, it just shows that there is like a, a level of animosity. Um that he's like not smart enough. He hasn't done enough in basketball. Again, like Draymond, respect to you because you're you're going to be a Hall of Famer someday because of what you've done for the Warriors and everything like that. But there's also the sense of, you know, Charles Barkley has done way more in his career than you have. You won three championships. Congratulations. Charles Barkley is one of the 50 greatest players ever and one of the best power forwards to ever play the game. So you can't be saying that to a guy who – and just – yeah, I mean maybe he – look, he isn't the brightest commentator – but that's part of his charm because I think he says things that are very unfiltered, you know, and um, that has come out. And I think that that's what makes him part of the reason why people get entertained by him because he says a lot of things that are just very funny and whatever. 
And yes, I understand he's attacking you, but as a player, you're like, you don't really need to care about what he says. If you don't like what he says, it's whatever, you know, it's just, we don't have to like attack his personal character. I think in a sense, like I think that when players do that, it's just, it's stupid. And I don't think it needs to be done. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Draymond said, like, you know, says some things that are just not really the smartest, but you know, overall, I think that those comments were a little blown up. Abortion. I think he was just having a friendly conversation. He has the right to say whatever he has to say, but I think the sports media people need to like stop blowing this out of proportion and saying, you know, you know, like what he thinks about Barkley and everything like that. Cause you know, they always want to find something to talk about during this time, but I think it's not really that big of a deal that they have a feud. Like there's a lot of guys who have feuds, with Charles Barkley, other guys. And cause they, you know, the old school guys want to criticize the new guys and, you know, show them like, you know, that the old school old ways were best. So that's kind of, you know, just the way I think about all this kind of stuff. But, you know, um, Overall, you know, I think that, you know, if, if you're going to make comments, you know, they're going to be criticized in some way. And as long as you have your own story to it and the way that you think about it, that's all that matters. And, you know, I think Draymond Green's going to you know, have a great year next year and Kevin Durant's going to be good in Brooklyn. And, you know, if they like each other, great. If they don't, they don't. I mean, it's not really, in my opinion, that big of a deal anymore. And so I mean, it really just doesn't need to really be talked about anymore because there are different situations and they're still going to be successful no matter what. So, that's a, that's all for today, and um, you know, keep following me on social media for more updates about my podcast, and look forward to having you guys on next weekend. Thank you. Have a good one.